This is it, people. This is what you've been waiting for. This is Everyday Celebrity Podcast. The podcast for everyday people with everyday problems trying to find everyday solutions to accomplish everyday goals. Let's start the show. You, 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 welcome to another episode of Everyday Celebrity Podcast. No one podcast in Oakland, no one podcast in the Bay Area, but I might have some competition. She might think otherwise. Um, <laughs> today joining me is a very special guest. She is an actress. She is a music artist. She also has a podcast. She is a model. She is a producer. She is a black belt in karate. She is, she's also a pilot. I'm joking. I'm last two ain't, ain't, ain't true. But uh, Kelda Music, welcome to the show. Hello, hello, hello. How are you? How are you doing this afternoon? Pretty good, Jordan. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, you are like, uh, I've interviewed a lot of people, normal people, but you're like the probably, I mean, you're normal as well, but you're probably mm-hmm. like the most established Aww. person that I've interviewed oh, just by your background and what you have accomplished. Thank um, you, thank you. Can you tell the people, I mean, I named it all down, but you want to give a rundown <laughs> of your attributes? Yeah, so nurse, pilot, um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> No, um, so I'm I'm a hip hop artist, actress, producer, TV host, podcaster, um, you know, uh, writer, just anything that involves entertainment. And, uh, you know, I love what I do. It's fun. It's a passion. You know what I mean? And that's why I've been doing it for so long, mm-hmm. because like, I can't see myself doing anything else. Mm. Um, so I'm just like a ball of talent, you know what I mean? Just ready yeah. to explode. Did you get your start in the Bay Area? Yeah, I'm actually born and raised in San Jose. Mm. Uh, started, um, I started acting when I was five years old. That's when I had like my first headshots, talent agent, went to acting schools. Mom used to pull me out of class, you know, for auditions and stuff for like mm. Kellogg's, Cheerios, Lucky Charms. So like commercials and shit. Yeah, commercials. Okay. Yeah. And I, I just remember as a kid, I wasn't like really feeling it. I was just kind of like, you know, like, this is boring. I have to learn how to, you know, memorize these words and know what they mean and talk in front of a whole bunch of people. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so um, after a while, um, I, I, you know, I stopped doing that. But then, like, I don't know, I just caught the acting bug, the entertainment bug. And I started modeling after that. Um, so, wait, wait. so when you mm-hmm. were uh, a child actor actor mm-hmm. you stopped uh what age were you when you started again um let's see so yeah i started at five stopped around 10 and then um i started back again when i was 13 mm. when i was 13 14 uh so pretty much after i finished middle school so yeah middle school i wasn't i went to a couple of like modeling auditions but it wasn't that serious i was more worried about trying to be you know cool and you know yeah. dress like tlc and shit <laughs> But 13, 14, yes, when I picked it back up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Were you doing commercials uh, 
when you picked it back up or were you did you move up like doing like, no i moved up that's when i started doing um i started doing fashion shows and um i started recording music mm. and i started writing a lot more um and and i even was like managing other artists too you know i just like i was multitasking just mm. like i am now and um as i progressed um you know, I always like to say Kelda Williams was born in San Jose, you know, the little square girl from the suburbs. But um, Kelda Music Diva was born in Oakland. And so that was in 2005. Okay. Yeah. So when you uh, you started music, right? Mm-hmm. You are, uh, what, like, what made you, like, randomly start music when you were acting? I love performing, love writing love rapping, tried a little singing or whatever. That did what it did. And I even circled back to it and cut a few R&B tracks. But, you know, that was just for fun. <laughs> mm. But um, I, lo- I-, I just, I love rapping. I love writing. And um, I like taking care of business. For some reason, I like paperwork and shit. Mm. And like making calls and sending emails and yeah. Connecting people with other people, you know what I mean? So I, I do a little behind the scenes, too, just like you said, producer. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And you you got a record contract, right? Uh, I had a contract um, with Malico Music years ago. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I broke that contract. It was through um, a label called X Records, and they went through Malico Music. And, and Malico was a, a major independent, you know. Um, they, they like did a lot of re-releases for, um, for artists that had hits like in the early 2000s and 90s and stuff, but I was just happy to be on, you know, an established label, but, um, you know, that did what it did. I released one single queen for night. Um, how did, how did the record, uh, contract come about? How did you land that? Well, we shopped me and my PR team, my management team. We were just, we were shopping and I was shopping. And then finally, um, this guy from X Records, uh, he was like, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll sign you. And, uh, you know, I have distribution through Malico Music. So, you know, you'll be on an independent major and um, you could start releasing music with us. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, cool. But um, what, I, what I've come to realize, because I studied a lot about, you know, major labels, independent labels, production mm-hmm. companies, whatever, management. And I realized, I'm like, you know, like, I mean, being with this major independent label is cool, whatever, for the stamp, for the, you know, like representation, whatever. But I'm like, you know, I need funding for my music, for the promotion, the marketing, the PR. And at the time, I got booked to go to Japan to open up for R&B singer Lloyd. Mm. Uh, It was Lloyd, Kid Inc., and a uh, few other cats. Um, But, you know, when I tried asking X Records, you know, hey, can you guys, like you know, help fund the promotion, the PR for me in Tokyo. And they were just like, oh, you know, let's see what we can do. And, you know, it was just kind of like, okay, you guys obviously don't have it like that. So <laughs> so I, you know, took another avenue um, when I... Did you go? Oh, yeah. Oh, was that was in 2012. That was a while back. Wait a minute. So let's, let's talk about that. So how was that? Well, before that, I want to tell you, I got I got booked in the Caribbean four times to mm-hmm. to perform. But Tokyo, before Japan, yeah, before Japan, okay. yeah, that started in like two thousand and eight, and that was when like Nicki Minaj 
came out and she was popping because mm. a lot of people back then didn't know what to do with female rappers. I was like an outcast. I was something special. You know what I mean? And people were just like, I, I, I wouldn't know how to market you. I wouldn't know how to promote you. You know what I mean? Even being here in Oakland. I mean, I used to get booked for a lot of showcases and stuff. Mm. But um, once we started doing outreach internationally, that's when things actually started popping. And that's when I got my first booking in the in Barbados um, and then St. Martin. And then Antigua twice. And in Antigua, I opened up for some of their reggae artists. I opened up for a major artist. Uh, you might know him. His name is Jacques Cure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. One of my favorites. Yes. Oh, God, I love Jacques Cure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you meet him? Yeah. Hung out with him and everything. He's cool. Okay. We have a picture together and everything. He's hella cool. Like hung out or hung out, hung out? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, th- I think he wanted to hang out, hang out. <laughs> but uh, I put a stop to that. <laughs> Yeah, like it was funny. We were staying at um, the Jolly Ranch uh, Hotel Suites, and um, you know it's all um, uh, what is a, it's all inclusive. You know, drinks, food, mm. whatever, whenever you want. And I remember he was like, "Hey, you know, come up to my room and you know, let's talk business. Let's you know." And I was like, "Okay, cool. You know, this is Jock Cure. You know what I mean?" And I went up to his room and I remember he made like a few passes at me like, you are really beautiful. You are really hot. And I was like, all right, that's my cue to go. <laughs> <laughs> he's a really nice guy, though, and he's talented as fuck. Yeah. I, I love Jock Cure. He, he's awesome. He's amazing. So your first, what was your first uh, like show to get like concert? Hmm. Before I went overseas? Mm-hmm. Oh. Or just your first like concert. Period. My first concert, that's a good question. Ah, my first concert was actually uh, at Juneteenth in Berkeley. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was my first time performing in front of an audience. And I was working, um, I signed to this, you know, independent label out here in Oakland called Squad Music at the time. Shout out to Will Solo. Um, he signed me and that's when I recorded my first album. And he said, hey, you know, I want you to perform at Juneteenth. And they set up like a flatbed truck and stuff, but there was hella motherfuckers there. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. There was hella motherfuckers there. And it, and um, my hype man, that was his time, first time performing. And it was just so funny because he was like kind of dressed in like a church outfit a little bit. Like he just came back from church and he was like, okay, because <laughs> it's Sunday. Mm. He's like, okay, I'm here to perform with you. And we did a good job. We did a really good job. Um, after that, I shook hands with, you know, everybody in the audience and passed out free CDs and stuff like that when CDs were. Were you nervous? Um, beforehand, yes. But once I got on stage and, you know, I'm looking at people in their eyes and just watching them, you know, bop their heads and, you know what I mean, like being into it, like it made me less nervous. Mm. Um, but then after that, that's when I was just like, I, I could do this. I could do this. Was this where you rapping at the time or singing? No, I was rapping. Okay. 2005. That's when Kelda Music started rapping and that's when Kelda Music was born. Okay. <laughs> so you, um, how long did your music career mm-hmm. like last? It's, I mean, you might, you're still doing music now. It's but, still ongoing. But I'm talking about like being on the regular labels and stuff. Well, are you on the regular label now still? I have my own independent label now. Okay. Um, so it was really popping for me during like 2007 all the way up to, yeah, 2012. That's when I accomplished the most. Mm -hmm. That's when, you know, my music was being placed, um, 
on major uh, TV film projects. Um, and uh, once like the industry kind of got more, I guess, overpopulated with so many artists, I kind of like dipped out a little bit and I started my own TV show. And, you know, I was pretty much, you know, wearing a different hat in the entertainment industry. You know what I mean? I was interviewing people of all different backgrounds. And, you know, I used to broadcast on coffee TV, KTSF. Um, But my heart is always music, you know, like there wouldn't be any, you know, films or TV shows or whatever if it wasn't for hip hop. Mm. You know what I mean? So hip hop really helped branched my career into other aspects of the industry. So you were you were doing music. You were in the music industry, or you still are in the music industry. I still industry. am, yeah. And yeah. then you were acting as well. You were in that industry. Yep, still doing that and uh, uh, film production. Which industry do you think is the most cutthroat? They're all cutthroat. Yeah, mm. I mean the entertainment industry is cutthroat. You know, like, and it, it, it like it has nothing to do like with the industry itself. It's just you know some of the people that you meet along the way and um some of the things people come at you with um i remember in 2009 after my um my tour in barbados uh i got invited to new york by this uh um this uh manager dude he was trying to be my manager Mm. um and he was like, uh, you know, you could come, you know, sleep in my basement. He was like, but I want to, you know, introduce you to this independent record label that's on the rise. And um, he introduced me to dude and everything was cool. And like he took us to MTV Studios and we like no one was in there. It was like a Monday. No, it was like a Sunday evening. Nobody was in there. And, you know, this this was the time when, you know, camera phones wasn't out. Social media wasn't out. Mm-hmm. And so it's not like I could take pictures or whatever. But I'm like, damn, I'm really, you know, in MTV studios. And then we had lunch um, in uh, one of the cafeterias. This, was, this wasn't Harvey Weinstein, was it? No, nah, it wasn't Harvey Weinstein. No, no nah, mm-hmm. I would have, you know, so I know what I would have done. Shit. <laughs> well, I don't think he would have tried nothing on me. He would have he would have known like, OK. <laughs> she has her guard up like <laughs> all right but we were at mtv studios and the guy you know he was like uh you know we we're thinking of changing your style we want to make you more like a you know a conscious rapper you know what i mean or a spoken word i said nah it's not me mm. you know what i mean that like that's not me and so him and i kind of you know fell out and you know i told him to go crawl back into his mama's womb because he started like just telling me all these stories and all these things he could make happen for me he was like i gotta you know get you your own reality show and blah 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 you know just bullshitting and so how do you know he was bullshitting he's always bullshitting yeah he wasn't trying to sleep with me or anything no, like but how that how do you know he was oh how did i know he was bullshitting yeah. because none of that happened afterwards when i flew back home mm. i specifically told him uh you know when i get back home i'm gonna touch base with you and we're gonna talk about me signing to your label and uh because he said he had distribution with several different labels major ones and he was like and then we'll talk about um you know producing a reality show show for you but as soon as i got back home he just started giving me a whole bunch of bullshit you know on email like oh well you know we're gonna need to do this and that i said you're a lying motherfucker you know what i mean like all that shit you were just saying was to just like Make yourself bigger. Yeah. You know what I mean? I can't so. stand when people uh, say shit and don't uh, follow through, especially like if you're in the, in the mm-hmm. 
in the business world, mm-hmm. your word is like one of the most important things. Exactly. So when you say some shit, like you need to do it. Okay. That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And he was just, he, and it's funny, we had a great time in New York. They took me um, to do a, a couple guest performances at some major venues where mm-hmm. there were, you know, important people. And he was just talking a big game. Mm-hmm. And then when I came back home and I wrote him and I was just like, hey, you know, uh, thanks for taking me to MTV Studios. Thanks for taking me to fucking uh, New Jersey to perform out there. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. and then, you know, everything just kind of switched around like, OK, well, first we need to make some more music, uh, different kind of music and do this and that. And it was just it wasn't the, the same language we were talking when I was out there. Yeah. And so that's where I flipped. You know what I mean? And I, I had a habit back then of just flipping on motherfuckers, like <laughs> letting them have it. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. But telling them the truth, though, facts. Like, you are a bullshitter. You're a liar. You were probably looking at my titties the whole time. Whatever. You know what I mean? Just, <laughs> mm. I just, you know, just mm. pull their cards. So, yeah. Do you think um, women, well, this, I, I, this, I know the answer to this, but do you think women get treated fairly in, in the music industry? Uh, nah, I, of course not. Mm. Um, Why do you think that is? Well, for one, I think that, um, I mean, just from even back in the day, right? When you had Tina Turner, when you had... Um, Patty LaBelle, Gladys Knight, and then, you know, forward, you had the brat, you had TLC or whatever, you know, all of them have been through situations with men where it's like, you know, what the flying fuck? You know what I mean? I didn't sign up for this. All I want to do is music. You know what I mean? And so, um, yeah, women, I mean, women just get treated unfairly in general, right? In any industry, you know what I mean? Especially black women. But, um, yeah, the music industry, it was always like every time, like, I was trying to talk to a producer and, you know, talk business, it was, you know, they'd always have to reference to, ah, well, <laughs> you know, what you doing later? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, my God. You know what was, I was about to punch this guy in the face. His name, damn, was his name? Uh, Joe or something, whatever. But anyway, he was, he was working for Jimmy Fox's podcast at the time when Claudia Jordan was hosting it. Okay. And, this this girl who I was working with was trying to get me on the show because she knew somebody who like who interned there, whatever. Mm. And so she actually got me in touch with the director of the show. And so he was like mad cool. And then he was like, are you coming out here for the BET Awards? I said, yeah. And so I was at the BET Awards because um, my friend was working the BET Awards and I, you know, met up with him and he had me sit damn near in the front row, you know, on the floor. And then he turns around and... Because uh, whoever the host was at the time, they said, ladies, are your panties wet or whatever? And then he turned the to me. and he, the BET Awards? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, and then he turned to me and he was like, well, how wet are your panties? And <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. Like, yeah. And so I remember after that, like, you know, I just didn't contact him anymore. And he was like, was this something I said? I didn't say anything too, you know, rude or anything. Uh, I, I was just like, I, I just know what your angle is. You know what I mean? Like. Do you think, do you think, um, you know, you're, you're, you're telling all these stories about these men making advances at you and shit like that. Um, Mm. do you think the women who do take the, take these men up on their offers and Mm -hmm. then they 
their career skyrockets. Mm-hmm. And then the women like yourself who deny it. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that gives that's part of the reason why these women in the industry get treated like that? Because, um, of, because of those types of women. Well, I like to say every woman is different, but since there is a history, a track record of women who do give in mm. or do the casting couch, whatever it is, yeah, it makes it more difficult for women like me. Mm. And I'm not knocking any women like, hey, you do what you want with your body. You know what I mean? Like, if you feel like this is what's going to get you ahead and you already been fucking other people anyway, then... <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, that's how you, okay, cool. But um, for me personally, I'm like, nah, like, I like the, the the struggles, the challenges, and just being able to know I can stand on my own two feet and, you know, wherever I'm at, I'll be well-respected and not, you know, treated differently, so. Women rappers today, mm-hmm. there's... I don't think there's no woman rapper today who the their image is like sex sells. They got mm-hmm. it's like um, Jermaine Dupri said it a while ago. He was like, yep. all these they're, they're basically strippers who rap. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. they all like showing their ass, titties, and all that shit. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing? Because back in the day, when me and you were growing up, the rap, the women rappers like you know Lil Queen Latifah. No, I'm oh, talking about like oh, Queen Latifah, okay, like yeah. MC Light. Those women back in the day, they weren't like, I mean, they can obviously dress sexy if they wanted to. Right. But it wasn't a thing back then. Right. Now right. today, it, I mean, you have, it seems like these women today have to dress sexy and do all that uh, popping ass shit mm-hmm. to sell their records. Well, I How look at it as we, we had Trina, we had Lil' Kim, we had mm-hmm. Foxy. What's the difference between back then and now? It's just because more, there's just two of them. Well, it's just more right, and there's just more of it today. Yeah, and know? even when Lil Kim and Foxy came out, it was a big deal because, it, like, when Lil Kim came out, she changed it. She was like, mm-hmm. "Who, who before Lil Kim was like dressing and talking like like she did before her?" Right, so. no one. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I, you know, I'm 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 not against that at all. You know, again, I think it's all entertainment and people could take it the way they want to. But, you know, it's just kind of like any other music genre. Like, you know, you had Marilyn Manson out, you know, a while ago and he was influencing, you know, young white boys to do reckless shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, you know, with what's happening today, uh if if you're a good parent, you know what I mean, to your kid, or if you're just, you know, an adult who likes to listen to this, as long as you know what you stand for, what you're going to do, what you're not going to do, it's okay mm-hmm. to listen to that kind of music, you know? And um, uh, I, I've made a, a couple tracks like that, but um, it was just more of like, okay, y'all, this is, you know, Kelda Music, just, uh, you know, giving y'all a taste of what that could be, but, you know, this is not me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, yeah, um, I, I have no issues with it. I think all the, the female rappers are beautiful. You know, shout out to Megan Thee Stallion. She's doing her thing. She's representing, you know, beautiful black women that have curves, you know what I mean, and mm-hmm. all natural curves. And, um, you know, I'm a huge fan of Nicki Minaj. I mean, she was the one who reopened the door again for female rappers. Yeah. 
And like she was just full of everything, sexiness, um, you know, lyrics, uh, a little cute baby girl voice. You know what I mean? So I, I just think you guys just all have to look at it as entertainment and just not take it so seriously, I should say. Have you had any plastic surgery? No, 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 no. Um, would you? Would I? Uh, maybe when I get older, yeah. Mm. And that's just natural because, you know, as we get older, things change. You know, mm. your, your hips don't look the same anymore or whatever. Your, you know, your face. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't even tell you what I would get my plastic surgery on at all. But um, if I'm, you know, really deep into Hollywood like that, still later on in my career and i start falling off a little bit then yeah i'll probably get something done (laughs) (laughs) what was tell me the time when i mean you were making music since you were a teen Mm -hmm. um tell me the time when you realize okay uh i can make money off of this or i made it uh probably it was at the age of uh, it was at the age of 21 when I moved to Oakland and when I uh, cut my first hip hop record. Um, and the reason why I say that is because one of my songs got picked up by Sony Pictures and they placed uh, one of my songs on um, their film called Please Give starring Amanda Pete. Mm. And um, to me that, you know, that's just like another highlight. That's the first highlight in my career. Mm. Like, oh, shit. Were you independent then, or were you on that label you were talking about? Independent. Okay. Yeah, that label didn't come until like 2008, eight, nine. Mm. Oh, no, I'm sorry, like 10, 11, because, yeah, I went to Tokyo in 2012, so. Okay. Yeah. Right. And then after that, you were like, okay, yeah, I'm going to start taking this like majorly seriously? Yep, and I am um, uh, actually <laughs> a song that I recorded about... 10 years ago just got placed on atlanta housewives uh last year actually um right before we hit the pandemic and i remember i was just watching atlanta housewives because that's you know it's one of my favorite reality shows and you know i'm watching kenya Moore in this scene and next thing you know my song comes on and they play like like a good portion of it they played like the intro and then like all the way down to the mid first verse i was like oh shit and, you know, I got all my publishing and all that set up. So, you know, it's yeah. just like it wasn't those things where they called me and, you know, hey, oh, hey, your music's going to be here. It's one of those things where it'll just pop up on your ass cap reports. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, what episode was this? Do you know? So it was uh, March 2019. Um, no, I'm sorry. It was March 2020. And uh, it was season, I'm not pretty sure, maybe season 13, I think. I don't know. Mm. I don't know. Okay. But, it, but it, was right, it was right before the pandemic. So when you, uh, how did, you have a TV sh- talk show, correct? Yeah, so when I, I had- When did this come about? Yep, so I started the talk show in 2014, and that came from me doing- Diva TV, which was a little reality series that I did uh, in the early 2000s to promote my music. And that show was a reality series that I placed on several public access stations. Fast forward 2014, I said, hey, you know, I want to I want to keep this going, but more on a like professional level, because Diva TV was more like street shit. You know, let's go run up to rappers and talk to them and 
go to concerts and shit like that. You know what I mean? Mm. But then 2014 is when I created an actual talk show and that was called Diva Talk Tonight. And that's where I, 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 you know, I had different kind of setups. I had, you know, like a a panel of people set up and we just talk about all kind of different shit. And then, you know, a couple special guests later. Uh, Then we do like acting skits in between. I don't know what the fuck I was trying to do. (laughs) (laughs) But... (laughs) But Coffee liked it, KTSF liked it, and I... Um, but, but you you created it on your own, right? I created, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. I created the concept, everything. Mm. But but I worked with several different directors, producers, writers, and, you know, just to try to enhance the show. But yeah, it's my my creative art, yeah. Mm. yeah. And is that uh, still going on? No, but we are working on getting the previous episodes like like I have about it's a whole season. It's 12 really, really nice professionally produced episodes. Thanks to um, uh, BJTV Rock at BJTV. He he produced the hell out of the last season I did. But um, what we're planning to do next is. Uh, get that streaming on um, maybe, you know, some major online networks and not really, you know, look at TV so much, but some of these online networks like Tubi, Dub has their own channel, Mm. Um, uh, Netflix, obviously, Hulu, you know what I mean? There's, I mean, there's a whole bunch of them, Fandango TV. Um, So we're we're just trying to get those previous episodes broadcasted on those platforms. Nice. Yeah. So, um, which one do you think is the hardest uh, to do? Like, had the most challenges to you? Like, the TV show, mm-hmm. like acting or um, making a record? Um, which one's the most hardest? As far as creating, the TV show was hard because mm. you need a good set designer. You need, you know, when it comes to post production, you know what I mean? You want to make sure everything looks good, whether, you know, you had a green screen behind you and you're trying to get the right scenery behind you. Um, for me, making music is easy. I can knock out a verse within like 15 minutes, you know what I mean? Or less. I can mm-hmm. knock out an album within like eight hours if I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just the marketing of music is, you know, where there's a little bit of trouble. Whereas with TV, the making of TV is difficult, but the marketing of TV is pretty easy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because everybody wants to see visual content. So like, and, and for film production, as long as you're working with, like when I did my first short film, um, love the original way like i i cast my friends and i just hired this dude and a couple of people and they produced a very nice professional short film for me and that got accepted into the uh black film festival in hollywood and that was a shoe in for me now to you know go to Holl- to have a reason to go to la you yeah. know what i mean like okay cool i'm on the red carpet talking to all these big actors and you know directors and shit like okay cool so um yeah that's what it'd be yeah okay um so let's get into let's get into your your like childhood and shit because you wasn't it you wasn't always this diva right no yeah so you are from the bay area originally mm-hmm. what uh what was growing up like for you well, so I was born and raised in San Jose. Mm-hmm. Not many black people in San Jose. As a matter of fact, they have a book called Being Black in San Jose. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So yeah, it 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 was pretty. So what, um, your neighborhood when you was growing up, your neighborhood was what mostly white or Mexican? No, um, uh, I was raised around uh, Mexicans, Filipinos, Vietnamese, and Indians. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much all I was raised around of, mm-hmm. and um, uh, I will I will say this childhood wise, it was weird because um, I did have a white uh, friend next door. And I remember, um, like, all the non-black girls that lived within my community, they treated me like I was a boy because I'm black. And so, to them, I'm, like, dominant, you know, I'm, um, I'm dominating to them. Wait, wait, all the non-black girls? Yes. Treated you like a boy? Yeah. Oh, okay. In, in my neighborhood. Were you a tomboy? I, yeah, I was a tomboy. Okay. But back then, when I was a little girl, not really. I didn't become a tomboy till I was like 12, 13. Uh-huh. But when I was just a little girl, I remember just like, you know, white girls, Hispanic girls, Asian girls, they would always, um, within my neighborhood, they'd always treat me like the masculine one. So, like, we'd play house and, like, I'm always the dad and somebody else is the wife mm. because, you know, they're just like, you know, you're black, you're strong and, <laughs> and you're yeah. dominating and stuff. And I'm just like, okay. But, um, but yeah, as I got older too, um, I just adapted to being that kind of person, the tomboy, you know what I mean? Like mm. never really wore dresses or anything unless I'm like modeling or on set or whatever. But at school, my hair is in a bun. Um, I'm wearing corduroy pants, van shoes, um, a sports t-shirt. Yeah. My teeth were jacked up. I had braces forever. <laughs> where did you, were your parents, uh, both of them were together when you were growing up or were they mm-hmm. divorced? As a matter of fact, they're going to celebrate their 39th anniversary in November. Okay. Yep, yep, You yep. have siblings? Yes, I have a younger brother. He is 30, how old is he? 33. You guys close? Uh, no, we're not as close as we could be. Mm-hmm. But no matter what, I love him so much. You know, he's my baby brother, and so... Um, although we don't communicate on a daily basis or whatever, um, you know, I love him to death and I always wish the best for him. And I, you know, I'm the one who normally reaches out like, Hey, what are you doing? You know, as an older sister, you know, what do you got going on? Are you okay? Mm. You know? So, yeah. Yep. After you graduated high school, what was, where did your journey take you? Yeah, so after that, I was going to move to Long Beach with my friend because her and I were going to L.A. like every weekend during the summer. And we were meeting with like different talent agents, booking agents. And I was trying to uh, get signed to um, it was called Fontaine Entertainment. And they managed like a lot of boy bands. It was during the time when, you know, NSYNC, Britney Spears, uh, Backstreet Boys were popping. Like and early 2000s or something? Yeah. Oh, okay. And I was trying to get in the mix. I, I even like auditioned for Columbia Records for a, a girl pop group. Um, I did all that. And then uh, my dad made this clear to me. He said, you know, um, you know you're know, you 18. He was like, I suggest, um, you know, if you didn't get into a state or a university or whatever, he was like, go to City College and transfer. He was like, because if you move to L.A. to try to make it in this business, he was like, and when you come back, I'm going to treat you like a tenant, charge you rent, 
You're going to have to pay for your own meals, buy your own car and mm. all that shit. And so I remember I was As like, you should. right, exactly. Okay. And that's why I didn't go. <laughs> I ended up staying home in San Jose and I went to like three different city colleges and what were you um, studying? I was studying mass communications. I wanted to be like a reporter or journalist, you know what I mean? Mm. Or, you know, just something that has to do with like speaking. And um, yeah. And then after that, I transferred to University of San Francisco, moved to Oakland because it was cheaper to live in Oakland at the time, you know, rather than living on campus at USF. And uh, I would commute uh, for about maybe about a year and a half. Mm. Yeah. Did you enjoy college? No. Why no. Not? Well, unfortunately, the professors at that college ruined it for me because um, there was this one particular professor that um, I ended up having him for two semesters. One one semester was for argumentation. The next semester was for foundations of rhetoric. And um, he would always like reference to black people in a negative way like he's talking to a bunch of suburban white kids you know because that's that's the only people that go to that school it's a private jesuit college Mm. you know costs like 75 grand to go there a year and um he would always he would always bring up black people and he'd always say negative things like uh let let, let's do a, a a impromptu report today and talk about why athletes are not role models and he's you know obviously referring to yeah. nba and nfl stars who you know is primarily african-american or he'll just say things like uh, you know black people always want to you know rap and sing you know do they have other careers you know that they want to pursue and and then what really just um, made me totally want to pull out is, you know, not only were the courses getting harder, but even like the students, like whenever I try to work with the students in a group, they would leave me out. Mm. And I'm just like, OK, you guys are on some, you know, racist shit. And uh, the last straw for me is I had that same professor for foundations of rhetoric and it was almost kind of like he was trying to educate himself. He asked the room full of white kids, hey, you guys, what's a nigga? And all these, yes. And all these white suburban rich kids from Danville, San Diego, Novato, wherever, they're just like, everyone started, everyone stared at me because I'm the only black girl in the class. I'm like, fuck. Like, I don't want to be the one that has to address this and talk about this. Oh, man, you know I what I mean? I would have raised so much hell. Oh. And I would have got paid because I would have sued the shit out of that school. I raised hell, and I don't think he no longer works there, but yes, I wish I would have got paid. Mm. But here's the crazy part. When he, uh, one of the, one of the kid, you know, one of the students raised their hands, and they were like, because the class was just hella quiet. Like, motherfucker, what kind of question is that? And, you know, there's a black person in the room. Like, what? But this one girl raised her hand. She was like, well, you know, all my black friends call each other that. So I guess it's an African-American thing. And so he went on the board and he was like, perfect. Okay. So he put nigga equals AA. Nigga equals African-American. And I'm like, this is just devastating. And so all that happened and class ended and I wrote him a very nice, strong, intelligent letter that told him about himself how ignorant he is how stupid he is Mm -hmm. and how he won't have his job for long and that got through and um he got he got in in big trouble now i heard you know he no longer works there but you remember his name yeah professor jens jens jeff sens jeff sens yep s-e-n-s 
Jeff Sands from USF. Mm-hmm. Fuck you, Jeff Sands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if anybody can Fuck find him. Jeff Sands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's get him on the show so we can talk yeah, about right. <laughs> So yeah. you left, uh, what year was this when you left college? About 2005. Yeah. And was your dad disappointed of you dropping out? Uh, well, no, because it was expensive. <laughs> oh, he was paying for it? Yeah, he was paying for it, and then I was paying for it too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with financial aid and doing other extra yeah. work. Um, yeah, but yeah, I was just like, okay, this is not even worth it. Are like, you mad that back in your days, OnlyFans didn't exist? Because you could have got, <laughs> you could have got, you could have got through college. Well, <laughs> I would tell a lot, but I can't say too much because I'm doing a TV pilot right now. But I did something similar to OnlyFans back then. That was popular. You was, okay, so you was on E14? I was what? You was on E14? I never heard of that one. Oh, never mind that. No. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I was on something similar that was popular back then where young, beautiful women could make money through technology. <laughs> Okay. I, I kind of see where you're, uh, where you're going with this. Yeah, so that's how I also paid for school and my Did life. Did you enjoy doing that? Yeah. I mean, at first it was kind of like, hmm. But uh, yeah, after a while you're just like, you know, this is not anything that's like happening in person or anything. You know, did, you consider, did you consider yourself a sex worker when you were doing that? Um, well... It depends how you define that because sex worker is someone who actually has sex for a living. I wasn't having sex for a living. It was more I mean, like well, no women define sex workers in all type like you can you can you can be an escort, you can be a fucking stripper, mm-hmm. you can be a, sure. you can fucking work at a, a store that sells um like sex to- sex toys and shit. Oh, so that's even considered sex worker. Okay. Yeah. Well then, um, then yeah, then I, I, I guess I was one. Like, I mean, you can define it however you want, it and just, and what, your answer can be whatever you want. But a lot of women nowadays, yeah, nowadays anything that has to do with sex, they consider sex work. Right, right. Well then, then yeah, then I guess I was one. Then yeah, mm. um, but it was more of a you could look but don't touch. <laughs> <laughs> How long were you doing that? Um, for about two years and i was making some really good money off of that and (laughs) that's what also invested in my first album too Mm -hmm. so um a girl's got to do what a girl's got to do but only what she feels comfortable doing yeah yeah that's a that's a common story with a lot of uh women nowadays especially i feel like when you when women go to college they always right they always uh find themselves doing some shit like that just you saw just players fucking, club yeah just to go through college. either stripping escorting exactly. something. exactly only fans yeah like college brings it seems like college brings that out of girls mm-hmm. it well yeah it doesn't way because when you know well well for me my my parents would have paid my whole tuition if i would have went to a state college but you know my my history of doing uh, terrible in school because school's not my thing from being suspended almost expelled detentions every day saturday schools when i put my mind into actually getting into a a private school like i was like whoa this is worth it like 
you know, I've turned into like an idiot to like somebody who's going to become something. Mm -hmm. So that's the only reason why I went to that school. But, you know, leave it up to my parents. It's like, you know, you could go to San Jose State, Cal State Hayward, have three meals a day, stay in a dorm, whatever. And I'm like, nah, not that there's anything against that at all. I would have done that if I would have, you know, came straight out of high school, whatever. But I'm like, nah, I went to like three different city colleges, put in hella time and work. Like, you know, let me transfer to a UC or a private college, you know. And 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 USF was cool at the moment because it was more of a, a intimate um, classroom type. You know, it's like no more than like maybe like. 10 people in the classroom compared to like a state college where, you know, you're doing a presentation in front of like, you know, a hundred people or more, but you know, at USF, it was more like, you know, you're just doing a presentation in front of, you know, your professor and a couple students and you're getting more attention for your education too. And, you know, at the time I needed special uh, education because like I said, I did really bad. I didn't graduate middle school. Um, I mean, well, you did good enough because you got accepted into the fucking school, didn't you? Uh, I mean, yeah, that was after City College, you know, yeah. But I, I didn't graduate middle school. I, um, you know, just fucked off. And um, I had to go to summer school. And then they handed me like a little certificate, like the day, the last day of summer school. Like, congrats, you could go to ninth grade now. <laughs> <laughs> Do you regret uh, dropping out of college? Nothing? No. So school has never been for me at all since yeah. I was a kid. Just mm. never could get into school. Um, although, you know, like if I was a different kind of person, if I didn't have so much drive to be an entertainer, I, I could have been probably a really good student. You know what I mean? Like, you know, straight B. So you already you already knew uh, where where you wanted to take your life. Exactly. So you felt like, you know, why, why am I in school wasting all this money studying something I'm not even really interested? Yep. I didn't even go to prom. Mm-hmm. I didn't go to prom. I didn't do any of the senior activities. Nothing like that. Mm-hmm. I didn't go to. I, I went to a couple school dances, um, but you know, no one didn't dance with me. I was just kind of like. Eh. But I, I, I told myself I'm going to be a star one day, and the day I ride in a limo, it's not going to be because of prom. You know, it's going to be because I'm going to my own concert. I'm yeah. doing something Kelda music related. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. So when you finished, when you left uh, school, what what did you end up doing? What was the plan? Did you already have a plan? That's when I started. That's when I, um, are you talking about when I dropped out of college? Mm -hmm. That's when I started rapping. That's when I started rapping. And that was in 2005. Mm. And that's when I released my first album. And from there, it's been, you know, nonstop. And, you know, again, uh, expanding to other areas in the entertainment industry. But, uh, you know, music will never stop for me because I love performing. I love entertaining. And I think, you know, I have like a unique sound, you know what I mean? So, what was the name of your first album? Shut Up, Listen. Yeah. Okay. And it was for motherfuckers to shut up <laughs> and listen, nigga. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Did you work, have you worked with anyone who was like, mm-hmm. well, I don't, I don't really give a fuck about celebrities, but do you re- have you ever worked with anyone who was like famous, famous? Or, or like established. Yeah. I like to say that too, like established or, so, or well known. I mean, because everyone is a celebrity <laughs> in their own. In their right, own exactly. Tell me about it. Um, yeah, uh, I worked with, um, hey, um, yes, let's do it. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, I, uh, so I, I work with Numskull from the Loonies. Mm um he was on my second album called diva and um 
yeah, uh, it was a song called Excuse Me. And I had actually all my friends on that song, all my hip hop friends on that song. But yeah, that was probably, you know, the biggest collaboration that I ever had. And that was, you know, 2007. (laughs) Um, But moving forward now, I, you know, aside from the music and TV and film and stuff, I work behind some of these celebrities too, like Mm -hmm. rapper Kafani. I work with him. Um, And then behind the scenes, I work with Looney's. Uh, you know, for booking purposes and stuff. Mm. So, um, you know, as far as collaborating with major artists, uh, I'd say it uh, it happens more often behind the scenes rather than like on wax, you know. Have you ever uh, like worked with someone who you haven't met and thought the world of and then when you meet them and start working with them, you find out they're assholes? Um, yeah, yeah. Who is this person? All right, well, <laughs> one of them, uh, it was at the NBA All-Stars that took place in Vegas mm-hmm. at the time. Okay. And that was the first time they had the All-Stars in Vegas. Mm-hmm. And that was when- so this uh, was like recently, I think, right? Hmm? This was recently? No, no, no. Uh, the NBA All-Star in Vegas, they had that in and. 10 i don't know 2011 2009 yeah. around there mm-hmm. but it was it, it was vegas's first time hosting the nba all-stars and so there was black motherfuckers everywhere and it, it was popping it was great nobody got arrested no fights or anything and i was working with um you know puffy's publicist bad boy entertainment's publicist um this this publicist i was working with and um me and my team reached out to her and we're like, hey, um, you know, we work with Kelda Music and she has her own little reality series called Diva TV. You know, is there a chance she could, you know, come on the red carpet and interview artists and stuff like that? And she was like, come on. And so I came and yeah, the artist that really disappointed me was T.I., like he I mean, he was kind of being bum rushed by media because that was when he was before he got in all that legal trouble. He was he was popping. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he was kind of on his the king you know, of the South time. <coughs> exactly exactly and so um i was just like okay i was like uh, i was like okay you know whatever you know uh, paparazzi all the media were bum rushing him right when he arrived on the red carpet and i'm thinking okay i'm cute in this gold dress gold braids or whatever i'm like what's up ti and i remember he could he just kind of threw the hand up at me he was like hold on little mama and i was like (laughs) (laughs) and then he didn't even give anybody the time of day like he just like walked through and went in he didn't like do any press or anything like that not compared to what he does what he does now oh my god that is nothing right and then another time well no actually it was the same weekend at the nba all-star um uh the nba all-star games um uh rest rest in peace to biz Markey. i love him mm. but yeah when like when we went inside the venue and they allowed me to go on stage you know just to like you know whatever and he was djing and like i was i, I would say that it, it was my fault you know he's he's djing he's trying to rock the crowd and i'm like hey you know can we get you on diva tv real quick and he was just like <laughs> and i was like okay. while he was djing yeah and so that's why i was like you know mm. what, what do you expect he's djing yeah, yeah. he's spinning right now yeah. you know what i mean he's trying to get the crowd all hyped up but yeah i remember i just felt a little like oh okay mm. <laughs> 
Like when someone holds their hand up and they're just like, get out of my face. I'm like, damn, I could be a man or a woman. Just <laughs> they wouldn't give a fuck. Like, yeah. get out of my face. But well, they're, they're serious about their craft. You know? Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, um, uh, you know, shout out to Biz Marquee. Rest in peace. You know what I mean? We lost another legend. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, at least I got to stand on stage with him, you know, and I got some pictures of him or whatever. But no, it, we, we didn't get to do an interview or anything. So that kind of sucked. But yeah. yeah. Do you think it's harder uh, to make it in the Bay Area than it is, let's say, like New York or L.A.? Oh, yeah, definitely. Especially when the hyphy movement was popping because it was just like a select few of artists that really had a chance to become mainstream. Yeah, and that hyphy movement, I I think uh, only, it didn't reach across the country. No. Because not everyone, I want to say... I'd say the only people who are interested in like mm-hmm. Bay Area rap are people from the Bay Area. The Bay Area, right, right. And then when Bay Area rappers make it, they don't sound like Bay Area rappers. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. G Easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, who else? That's probably it. That's the only one I can think of. <laughs> <laughs> Kaylani, probably. They don't sound like Bay uh-huh. Area rappers. Yeah, right? yeah. So. Right. No, I, I feel you, you know, because once you get a deal, you know, you have a whole different team behind you now. And these mm. people are looking at your marketing on a on a on a global scale. Mm. You know, how would people in Poland feel about you? People in, you know, uh, Australia, you know what I mean? So, yeah, they got to kind of pick through your music differently. But yes, um, Coming from the Bay, it, it, it is pretty hard. I mean, yes, you have, you have her, you have Kaylani, you have Keisha Cole. Yeah, her, yeah. Um, you have quite a few uh, artists. Uh, and then now you have Saweetie, you know what I mean, who's doing her thing. Shout out to Saweetie. You know, she's gorgeous and talented. I love Saweetie. Saweetie sounds like she's from like Atlanta or some shit. Yeah, she kind of has a little, her, you know, twang going on. Yeah, her, you would... Uh, <laughs> You would never know that she was from Berkeley. You would think she's from like I don't know. I would think that she was from like the UK or some shit. Oh, really? I thought she was from the South Bay. No, or, she's from Berkeley. Oh, she's from Berkeley. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, okay. That's where she get the swag from. See, yeah, yeah okay, yeah. yeah no, I I love Sweetie, and um, as a matter of fact, um, you know, Kafani, um, Sweetie just covered Kafani's song "Fast Like a NASCAR." She remade it. Mm-hmm. And now that's getting launched into all kind of different, um, you know, brands and products and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So, um, shout out for her. Shout out to her for holding the bay right, uh, the bay down right now as a female rapper. You know what I mean? Um, because yeah, during the hyphy days when I was trying to really push through, you know, th- there was opportunities I had and I took them, but just again, no one didn't know what to do with the female rapper. It was more like you know, you'd be a burden on us because we'd have your record recorded or whatever, but then we'd have you sitting up here collecting dust. We wouldn't know what to do with you. Mm. But then when Nicki Minaj came out, it was like all kind of shit started popping. I started getting invited to the Caribbean. I started getting more (laughs) music licensing placements on Bad Girls Club, MTV Real World. And then that's when I uh, got invited to perform in uh, Tokyo and the same venue that I performed at, which was the Zeppelin, the Zeppelin Theater, she just performed there the week before that. And then Lady Gaga performed the week after. And so I'm just like, oh, shit, I'm really in the mix. Damn. You know what I mean? But um, 
Yeah, like it, it was hard during the hyphy movement days. And, you know, I met with radio stations and everything like, hey, you know, can you guys play my record? This is a hot record. I know it's a hot record because the public told me. And, you know, I had certain radio station people tell me, no, like you're you're not a branded artist. There's a hole in your marketing. We've never heard of you. Um, we don't care how many times you got placement or you've been overseas, whatever. We just, you're not a, a, a signed major artist. And so, yeah, that's what it was. Mm. Why haven't you made that, uh, the move to like LA or New York or something? I know that's what people ask me um, because I feel nowadays, now that we have access to technology and we're able to do whatever we want it really doesn't even matter anymore people are making money off of doing tiktok videos youtube videos yeah. you know what i mean and it's so I it's can't like stand those fucking tiktok dancers nah. <laughs> can't stand that shit. i was heavy on tiktok for a while but then like i just i don't know i think i kind of just like made myself sick of watching all the same videos. fucking dance for every single goddamn song yeah well you know it's a, it's a challenge that's what people do so they could get more likes and followers and stuff but um i i you know I, I I just feel, you know, nowadays you don't need to move to any of these places un- unless there's like a, a, a invitation for you. Mm-hmm. And that's why I always looked at it. Like, I've never been the type, oh, let's just go up and move to L.A. or New York or wherever, because that's where I'm going to make it big. Like, been there, done that. When I was in high school, I was going to take the proficiency test to get out of school early so I could move with my manager off Lakershim Boulevard. In in Hollywood to try to go on um, go sees and you know auditions and stuff and uh, that didn't work out and that was just a week being in Hollywood and I'm just like damn and then like I said when I try to move out there with my friend to Long Beach to pursue it again I'm like damn I'm like nah I was like I know I'm doing the right thing by staying in the Bay and you know sure enough. Uh, being a girl from San Jose, I, I came to Oakland and I put the city of Oakland on TV. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was on public access, but I still put a lot of rappers on TV, a lot of female artists, a lot of models, everything, going to clubs, covering events. And, you know, that's why I had a lot of support when I, when I um, recorded my third album called Diva TV, because I, you know, kind of made that as a soundtrack to the reality show. And all of the artists that I've ever had on my show, I had them on the album doing a collaboration with them mm. so I'm, I'm always like a you know out the box thinker you know what i mean just yeah. trying to do something different what are you most proud of in your uh your career um huh quite a bit actually i'm about to be even more prouder soon um i i, I would say yeah going to tokyo and um getting my music placed on major platforms yeah those those uh, those are like the highlight the highlights of my career i would say how long were you in tokyo a week a week yeah and you went out there strictly to perform yes that that's all it was for it was a entertainment promotions company um they 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 were they were africans um i forgot what part of africa they were from I think they were from Ghana mm. and they moved to Tokyo to start an entertainment company and book major artists and venues. And they were there. They were pretty successful. I don't know what they're doing now. I haven't heard much of them now, but they were at the time they were bringing out Flo Rida, Chris Brown, um, any major pop artist you can name. 
And then when they brought out Lloyd and Kid Ink and uh, Young Chris at the time, I was, you know, dealing with one of the promoters and um, he introduced me to them and my team to them. And um, they were just like, well, damn, you know, we don't have a female artist on this roster, you know, on this ticket at all. We don't have a female singer, rapper, nothing. Mm-hmm. They were like, all right, Diva, because that's, you know, my little alias I go by. They're like, Diva, they're like, all right, come on board. You can bring one person with you. They paid for everything. Um, and, you know, I got paid, got a lot of exposure, PR, made a lot of, you know, Japanese fans. Um, and it was just a blast. It was just, it was just so much. I mean, if you, if you go on YouTube and just look up Kelda Music Diva, you'll see performance, the, a couple performances of me on stage. And then afterwards, it was like a lot of fan love. Like, it was crazy. Like, the, the promoter took me off stage and... You know, uh, I got to like meet with the fans, shake hands, and everyone kept, everyone started giving me hugs, and I was giving them CDs and stuff. Like, I was like, I was like Hmm. a queen. That's why I made the song Queen for a Night. Cause I'm like, this is like perfect. And it was just me and this other little hype guy who was performing on stage with me, and I killed it. Everyone loved me. They loved me. And I don't know if I'll ever feel that experience again anytime soon, considering, you know, not many people are going out to events right now. And, you know, hip hop is not really the same. The generation, all that has changed. You know what I mean? But back then it, it was nice. But um, don't get me wrong. I still get a lot of love when I do shows. I did a show yesterday for um, Menace Man uh, in Frisco at Midway. And I got a lot of love there. And you so know. you're still actively. Performing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But most of your uh, energy is going toward uh, the uh the the reality tv show and all that i would say content producing so uh i'm in the midst of actually filming a a 30 minute pilot based on my career mm. so we're working on casting a younger kelda music like kelda music when she was 19 mm. and then kelda music when she was 5 and then kelda music when she was you know 25 um, and then me, myself, I'll make a couple of appearances throughout the show. Like, I'll probably play Kelda Music's mother. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And act like my real mom. Um, but that right now is the main focus is to film this pilot and to get it picked up to be a series on any of these major platforms that are popping online right now. Yeah. Okay, that's and, and I'm still performing and doing collaborations with artists on a music level too. Mm. Yeah. All right. Well, um, this is a time where you can promote your yourself. I mean, you've been you've been promoting yourself through all this interview, but if you want to say something specific about what you're working on, where they can find your music, uh, if you want to give out your social media handles and all that. Yeah. Um, you guys could hit me on my new revamped website, keldamusic.com. That's K-E-L-D-A-M-U-Z-I-K.com. From there, you'll see, you'll find all my social media handles and you'll get to hear all my music, watch some of the independent films that I've been in, such as Devil in Plain Sight. Um, oh, and another thing I forgot to mention, a film that I was in in like 2018 um, premiered at the Sundance Film Festival earlier this year. And uh, they're going to do a couple more other premieres, too. It's a really, it's a real film. (laughs) It's a major independent film. So um, I'm looking forward to doing more films. Uh, Right now I'm podcasting 
uh you know what i mean just me and my diva yeah, what, what's the name of your podcast uh diva talk tonight the podcast show so there's diva talk tonight the tv show which i retired from and i just changed everything to diva talk tonight the podcast show mm. so yeah you'll be able to see all that on my on my website kellermusic.com what uh do you guys talk about on the podcast everything and we need to have you on the podcast too me yeah <laughs> yep yep <laughs> i'm kind of like a mysterious person you know what i'm saying yeah you're, yeah you're not you're like behind the scenes you don't really want to yeah. be like out in the no, I'll, do, I'll, I'll do the podcast yeah no you should you should you definitely mm. should um we just interview anybody and then we start talking about current events and you know the tea the gossip whatever <clears throat> and uh we just have fun yeah you know what i mean Dope. where um, you guys uh filming at we we do it live on Instagram, mm. so we're all at home, <laughs> okay. and we just go live. And like a virtual thing? A virtual? Like no one's in the same... Wait, exactly. It's all, like, you know, Instagram live, when you go on Instagram live, you're at uh, your okay. house, I'm at my okay, house, yeah, or wherever yeah. I'm at, and mm. we just all join live. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dope. Yeah. Yeah. It's an easy way to do it. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> all right, Kel, the music, um, it was an honor learning about you um thank you so much for having me very talented very talented woman uh thank you with a hand in every hat that you can think of <laughs> <laughs> i wish you uh much success uh continued success and everybody who's listening go on our instagram check her out check out her music stream it uh thank you watch her movies like look we uh look forward to her t- tv show that's going to get picked up you know mm-hmm. so good vibes yeah and yeah that's that's it you have any last words thank you so much for having me and uh i i enjoyed the interview and much more power to you and all your endeavors yeah mm-hmm. this is everyday celebrity podcast and we are out you Ow.